This. This is, this is diversified, diversified, diversified game, game, game. game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, you guys don't know how special this is because this isn't just a publicist or a consultant. This is a friend of mine that I've known for a few years, and I did not know if she would eventually say yes because I, you know, I had a sometimes PR folks, you got to push them to get in the front. And if we're not talking about church and growth, you may not see another video of her on YouTube. (laughs) So I'm so happy to have Makesha Dorsey of DG. PR. Welcome, Acacia. How you doing? Great, Kellen. How are you? All is blessed and it's all about you. I got to let the people know you're not just you don't do just one thing because you can do PR. You can consult. You you've, you know, saved and made folks millions. Um, you've had, you know, big name clients. You still have big name clients. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I I don't want to name drop, but you can all day because, (laughs) (laughs) you know, because sometimes it's, you know, it's not my place, but I, and I don't want people to be in your pockets as well, but let folks know, how did you get started? Because did it start with the big name clients? You know, I've been doing some aspect of PR since I was in my teens. I, when I when I wanted to do pageants, my parents wouldn't pay for it. So I had to go out and solicit and get my own gowns. And if anyone has ever done pageants, um, you know that the gowns can 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 be upwards of five thousand dollars. So my parents, they said, no, we're not going to pay for it. And I had to learn how to go out and solicit and promote myself in a way where um, boutiques or even people who had um, extensive formal wardrobes would allow me to use their gowns. So I started there. I started with myself. And then when I went to college, I majored in paralegal studies and honed research skills. And I met a lot of people who I developed really good relationships with. But also during that time, I always worked on different initiatives at the university. Um, we, we, We worked to create awareness about different things, whether it was a fashion club, um, fashion show, or a choir concert, or even a a huge Black History Month program. And I honed skills that way. When I moved to, and I started out really working in internal communications. Um, When I was in college, I worked for, um, I started on the collections department for an answering service, but the guy who was over the answering service, um, he was a Rhode Island Solid Waste Commissioner. He owned it. He owned the the answering service, and I ended up working there and started to really um, work with clients from the communications aspect, who were some of the elite in New England. Um, one of our clients, well, I can't say those client names. So, but it's a it, it their family is considered the royal family in the U.S. one of their family members was a president. So, so I started in that environment first. And then after that, um, I worked in internal communications at a bank and wrote the collection processes that they're still using at a large national bank now, because one of the things that I grew to understand is this, 
It doesn't how, matter how much awareness a client receives. At the end of the day, the most important work is what you do internally. How do you service your clients? How happy are your employees? What are the processes like when someone comes? And at the end of the day, what I'm, what I'm really trying to make my clients and potential clients aware of now is, what do you have to offer after I bring someone to your door? Like what's there? So after I came in, then I started working in the entertainment industry when I moved to um, Georgia. Um, I actually, and I think Zooman Miller and I mentioned it um, on Facebook a while ago. We actually streamed Birthday Bash 5. We produced a show and Birthday Bash 5, we're, you're talking about 1998 or 99 for Hot 97.5. We did that way back then. So I learned how to be in the online space earlier. And I think that day we interviewed, a re I was the producer of this particular segment that we were, that we did. And Corey Miller, he was the talent, but we interviewed the cash money. We inter interviewed Keenan uh, from Saturday Night Live. He was on Key and I think, what was the name of the show that he, that he was on back in the day. Ken Kel, Ken and yes. Kel. Uh -huh. Yes, he was on that show at the time when we interviewed him, but everything was done online then. So we started out in that space really, really early. I started producing, had no training in producing, but understood project management. I got burnout from the entertainment industry and went into um, construction and did project management there. And again, it really helped me to hone in how to, how to manage resources, as, including personnel, um, money, um, and, and projects, and understanding quality, quality control. A few years ago, how I ended up back on an entertainment PR, because I've always consulted just to keep my skills up, and I did a lot of communications work internal before I went back and started working PR in the entertainment industry. One of my friends, Billy Dorsey, we grew up together, went to the same church, and he um, had worked on Lecrae's album, one of the one of his first albums to receive um, a Grammy nod. And we, I started doing work then. I started back delving into the entertainment industry. Back in the day, I had worked on street team for Sammy. I'd done Blue Street street team. So, you know, when people say, oh, I've worked on these projects. Yeah, you probably did, but you might have been on the street team. I'm one of those people who did street team work. Not a big deal to me. It just helped me learn how to, how, it helped me understand the entire marketing process. And I'm thankful for that because now I know how to manage street teams because I was on street teams. Um, after that, I worked with Billy. I also write and one of the projects that I, that I worked on, I met um, an aspiring um, producer, writer, and she's a creative. We, we were in an anthology together and I helped her. I'm one of those people. I hate it when I hear, if you're the smallest, smartest person, you're in the wrong room. That's a bunch of BS. I believe in diversity. So if, if I'm the smartest person in the room, the next room I go into, am I going to be the dumbest person in the room and the people who are in it, are they going to walk out? I don't like that. I like diversity. While I do believe that I need to tend and work around my peers, there are also people that, you know, sometimes you, you lend a helping hand. And most of my best 
clients have been referred to me, not by people who are clients, but by people who know my work ethic, by people who actually know that if Makesha tells you she's going to do something, she's going to get it done. And the people that I've helped, everybody can't, most people can't afford, especially startups. They can't afford, I won't say startups, bootstrap companies. They can't afford my monthly retainment. At the end of the day, I have a minimum engagement rate. If you can't do that, I can't work with you. But that that doesn't mean I won't look out for you. Mm. And I've received a lot of really good clients because I looked out for someone that someone else might have ignored. You know, if someone I know they can't afford my retainer right now, if they call me and say, hey, I got this project going on, it takes no effort. (laughs) You work in the industry. How many opportunities that come across your desk that your clients don't fit? A lot of them. Too many. So when those opportunities come across my desk, instead of me ignoring it, I remember, oh, this person, they have a a luxury shoe brand. Let me send this over to her right now. Or this person, they have a book release and it fits this concept. So I'm going to send that over. Or if I have a really good relationship with someone, and in in this instance, she was promoting uh, a, a documentary, what ended up happening is she needed media list pull. I had Sissy on. I work in the book industry. I work in the film industry. It was absolutely nothing for me to take one of my curated lists for the city that she was going to and give it to her. She appreciated that, but she actually referred me to someone who has who who has been a really big blessing to my company and, and, and it's opened doors for me in other spaces as well. So I just... One of the things that I want people to understand is PR is about relationships. It's not about networking. It's about building relationships. We get so caught up on networking. I meet so many people, I, but the people that I build relationships with, they're the people who actually end up making sure that my kids and I eat because they refer good clients to me or they bring me on to projects. So it's just a thing where when I came back to the entertainment industry, I was fortunate to not only have the experience, but have the respect of people who were decision makers. And that isn't just something that you get overnight. One thing begets another thing. And just if you do good work, mm-hmm. you know, and, and with a, a good reputation, you've been able to, to build out. What do you enjoy the most in this industry? Because everybody has something they're like, man, I could just do that all day, every day. And just, you know, for me, it's the strategy and consulting and connecting. Like, if I could just do that, I'm good. That's all I had to do. So what is your thing? We have that in common. My Because I am a planner and I believe in productive, those are heart issues with me. Um, I like the strategy and I like the project management perspective of PR because a lot of the times we 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 get the personality side and we understand that we our clients are personalities but we also have to really respect the idea that they're products at the end of the day they're brands and they're bringing something to the table for the general public if you're just dealing with personalities in the entertainment industry or if you're dealing with businesses who actually have products and services so at the end of the day you're looking at brand management you're looking at product management you're looking at life cycles for itty bitty projects that come about during the year so for me it's the strategy um raru arsenault from hot chocolate pr she will tell you i absolutely hate media relations (laughs) 
I don't like it. I do it. I'm good at it, but it's not something that I totally enjoy doing. So I prefer the strategy side. I prefer going to the consulting meetings and helping people to identify goals, strategy, um, what their next products are going to be, how to get those products to market, finding the best resources, whether it's collaborating with um, one of the people that I've been working with since. I don't know if you'll know of the brand Players University. It was from back in the day. They did all of those t-shirts and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So one of the the young men who worked with Kenlo, he is actually one of the people that I use when I need, and this is, and you know, Players University, you're talking about heavy 90s, early 2000s. I think they sold to Foot Locker or Foot Action back in early somewhere around 99, 2000. Anyway, one of the people who used to work there, we're still friends. We've actually done a quite a bit of money, a, a business together, made a lot of money together, but we've done a lot of business. And he is the person that I that I use when I have clients who need to, to do the manufacturing process. We've done product development for a luxury shoe brand. The client, she came to me with, with, with pictures drawn on copy paper. But we took those pictures on that on that copy paper and we found shoe architects, we found shoe cobblers, we found material, we sourced pythons, you know, it, it was just all of those things that comes along with product management that plays around with if I'm going into a project as a publicist, I need to understand the full business. I don't just want a paycheck. I want to help my clients get the visibility that they want and I'm best suited for strategy. So I hire people to do my media relations. Which, that's not a bad thing. Um, Some people think, oh, you're just piecing this out because I always say we. And some Mm -hmm. folks, and I bet you get this, I've had people, and I've told them we do business differently, but we can still be friends, where they're like, I just want you. I said, well, it's a company. We're established in what we do. So when you get me, you get the team that I feel you need, but I can't tell you I'm going to be doing all of this work. And if that's a problem, let's just keep eating, you know, lunch or whatnot. But do you get that as well, where folks like, I just want you, everybody else you talking about, and then they probably want you to cut your, you know, your, your retainer out. And it's like, no, the way we do business is how we do business. So how do you deal with that? Well, the first thing I do is help them understand value, because if you get just me, your rate is going to (laughs) quadruple, period. You know, if you want just me to manage your PR strategy, um, it's tripled because my when I when I built when I do a proposal or respond to an RFP, what happens is I base my rate on, of course, what I want to earn, but also who I'm paying. So if you want a senior level publicist on a job 24-7, oh, you're paying for that. And most of the time they go, oh, and I reassure them that as a publicist and a project manager, um, I know how to manage resources. I know how to manage the people that I work for. I help them to understand not only am I producing a, a solid public relations strategy for you, in most cases, you're looking at 50 or 60 pages of what the actual strategy is. And then I'm assigning people to carry out that task. Can I do graphic design? Yes, I can. 
but I am not designing all of these things. It's actually less expensive for you to pay a graphic designer because I don't care what you need me to do. My hourly rate is my hourly rate because if I'm not doing that for you, guess what? I could be doing it for somebody else and they're going to pay me my hourly rate. So once they understand that they don't want to pay what what it would take just to have me, they 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 tend to get it that oh yeah, we're we're going to yeah, we don't mind paying a graphic designer for that or we don't mind to pay someone else to um to execute because I think execution is good when you're when you're when you're in the first few years of PR. You have to understand the process. But at some point, I've been doing this for over 20 years. At some point, I have to behave like a director. I have to be able to behave like a vice president. I have to do what advances not only my brand, because this is not a hobby for me, but also my client's brand. Because if my clients are happy, I have one client that I've had for over 20 years. But it's because we've established the relationship. I'm getting results. Other clients, they come to me every time they have a new project. And it's not because they can't find anyone else. You know, publicists come a dime a dozen, but they understand my work ethic. They understand that I'm going to say no sometimes. And, you know, and I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to do this, but I totally disagree with it. Since you, since you pay me, I'm going to do it. But we're putting this in writing that my recommendation was this. And a lot of the times they come back and go, oh, Makesha, you told me and I should have listened. Hello. <laughs> I, I, I love those times. And you have to take it. You have to be like Barry Sanders back in the day in the end zone. You can't mm -hmm. even celebrate and just say, you know, OK, and let's move on because we're not in the business of making people feel bad or I'm the smartest, you know, right. like you were saying. But hey, when you go home, you can say, you know, to, you, to your husband, you can tell him, I told him, <laughs> I told him, I told him, I told him. And that's where you get your cheer on. Yes. Now, you know, with, you know, clients coming and going, how do you deal with the sometimes uncertainty of the market being an entrepreneur you never know what next year is going to look like and everybody's projection is just a hypothesis but you have kids that eat off this money you know and how yes. do you deal with that and say how do I get to the next level in case you know this client something happens and they retire or you know go to the moon or want to do something different? Um, One of the things that I've learned and it took years to learn is first of all, make your rates what you need your rate to be. Um, I had um, this white guy, you know him, tell me um, a few years ago, he called me, he, he sends me a message via messenger. He goes, your rates aren't high enough. <laughs> my rates aren't high enough? People are already complaining about my rates right now. And... <laughs> He goes, raise your rates, you'll get better clients and fewer headaches. And I did it. And that's exactly what happened. So now with my rates a bit higher um, and I have the proof, the social proof behind me that I can do this work, you charge more money. And when you can charge more money, you can staff projects. So all of my time is not necessarily spent doing the work of PR. I have to spend time, at least 40% of my time, actually looking for ways to grow and develop my firm so that the people who depend on me for um, consulting work or even my VAs, I can pay them. And so that I can take care of my family. Um, you put yourself that as a 
person who's self-employed, you have feast or you have famine. Mm -hmm. I know at the end of the year for me, things get tight. Things get really tight at the end of the year. So I plan in a way I give, I have my set income that I pay me. I don't care if I see a new pair of $5,000 shoes I want. I don't go into my, my company and pull that money out to buy those shoes. I live out of what I pay myself on a monthly basis. So that's the first thing. Get a budget, stick to it. Make sure that you read and follow the um, this book, Profit First. I'm a reader. I study. I like Realize that book. Realize that I had. Huh? I like that book. One of, the, one of the things I realized is that I was spending money in the wrong places. And I was spending time because one thing that people say, manage, you have to manage your time. You cannot manage time. Can't, cannot manage time. You can't manage money that you don't have either. So if I know what's coming in and out of it in the month, I have to think about what this looks like. I have to set aside a certain amount of my money for profits, period. I have to set a, a, a certain amount of money aside to cover my overhead. And I have to bid on my projects in a way that affords me to do that. So if, say, for instance, again, if you're a company and you're paying yourself, let's say $2,000 a month, your goal is to pay yourself $2,000 a month. I don't care if I have a fifteen, dollars $30,000 a month. I'm still going to pay myself $2,000 a month. Do I ever give myself bonuses? Heck yeah, but they're reasonable bonuses based on my experience working in corporate. When I was a project manager, we got a certain percentage of the excess when we brought a job in on time and within, or actually before time and within budget. So if you treat, if you treat your business like a business and you operate it uh, separately, you can avoid some of the famine periods, but you also have to diversify. I believe in niche, niche work. I am a publicist. I primarily do PR, but think about the things that coincides with public relations. The majority of my job is writing. I'm a really good writer. So 60% of my income is coming from PR work, but the other 40 is coming from me ghostwriting writing books, editing books, editing dissertations, dissertations. We do research. Think about publicists. We do a lot of research and we write. So why wouldn't I, I edit dissertations? It just makes sense because I understand research. I understand how to present research. So that is another way that I make money. So you have to have your company set up in a way where your streams of income, you know, retainer work is retainer work, but you, you keep projects going so that you can round out your business. I manage book. I, when I, when people ask me what I do, I do PR for books, film, and um, books, film, and television. It's all PR. It's PR. It's what well, books, film, and music. So it's, it's publishing. So if, if, if I'm working with a, um, an actor who decides to put out a book and he doesn't have a book deal and he self-publishes, I know how to manage the book publishing process. So not only am I getting my retainer from that guy, he's coming to me to, to manage his publishing process. So it's those types of things that you really have to be aware of when building your business. But also after you get your business to a certain place, you also start developing and investing in others. There are people that um, I provide resources to because 
I'm a larger firm than some. So I have different resources. So there are people who actually have PR firms that don't have Adobe. So I can help them. My, my VAs can help them manage their contracts. They send their contracts over to me. A lot of the times they're one-offs, but they can't afford the full year membership. But we set everything up. They do that. We, my VAs, they pull media lists for other companies. I have a membership. I have to pay for that membership. Anything that your company does or any subscription that your company has, find a way for it to for it to pay for itself. Create another stream of income for your company. And outside of that, having other things that you do. Um, like I said, I'm a writer, but I'm also a creative and I'm an ordained minister. One thing that I spend a lot of time doing is studying, whether it's PR, whether it's history, whether it's the Bible. I spend a lot of time studying, but I absolutely love stationery. I realized that I was spending couple of thousand dollars a year on stationary only. And I thought I was like, hey, maybe I can get into this. So I started a stationary brand. No, I and, love it. <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's it's doing well. It it it's it actually does a really good job. It doesn't require a lot of my time. And um but you have to be willing to put yourself out there to to earn what you need by career. But don't do too many things at one time sit down, think about what goes along with PR that I can do right now. Can I, can I be a handler? I've done, I've been a handler for people. I've walked folks down red carpets. Um, can I, um, can I go support someone else at, at, at their event? I'm not too proud to look at what I have coming in for the month and go, you know what, Makasha, you're about $500 a month uh, short this month. You might go stand up and handle you might go stand up and take tickets. You might go stand up and, and manage a green room because I'm not above it, especially when I know I have to eat. No, you have to eat. And I think a lot of folks and you can remember, of you know, getting paid two thousand dollars back in the day and be like, OK, twenty five hundred. And you thought you were you were eating. But then when you go up on your rates and you say, hold on. Um, I'm only going to eat so much of this five, ten, twenty thousand dollars check, mm -hmm. and and that you're like, how did I eat? I remember getting paid, and Christian artists would drop the money in my mailbox when we were in Lubbock, Texas, mm -hmm. and they'd be like, hey, I dropped off my my fifty dollars, man. I'm gonna get you some more money, and I'd be like, hey, we just we moving, but yeah. but then you know, people were really when you think about it, they were taking advantage because you know, they eat out more than $50 a month, but you just wanted to do the work. So mm -hmm. we can't, nobody gave this to us and you really earned it. Mm -hmm. What would you tell the person who says, I want to bypass all that. I just want to get the, the, the big checks. I want to, you know, start my rate at $4,000 out of college. Um, go, go learn the business, go work for someone. Um, there is value and, and, and I was having this conversation with, with my boys. Um, one of my sons is a drone operator. But so he really don't have to go and work for anyone ever. You know, he's 17 years old and he's a drone operator. Um, rates for drone operators licensed in Georgia, you're looking at almost $200 an hour, right? But I told him after COVID is over, I need for you to find a job, Foot Locker, Walmart, anywhere, because I want you to understand what it's like to work for someone else. 
One, it places you in a position when you start to level up, you understand business and processes. No college student I've ever met understand workflow processes. It took me, it's take, it, it still takes me. I've, I've been working in a corporate environment since I was 18 or 19 years old. You know, and one of the things that I that I took from working for major banks, I've worked for Bank Boston, I've, which is now part of Fleet Bank. I've worked for Nations Bank. And then when they were purchased by Bank of America, I totally learned internal processes by doing those jobs, because if you don't have a process, you have no way of getting the work done. So, no, I would I take. I think you need to go work for someone, just like I told my son, at the very least, you learn management skills. You learn how to submit to leadership, because although I own my company, if one of my clients wants something done, I have to be able to say, OK, I'll do that. Because at the end of the day, although I am my own boss, I still have rules to follow. I still have to honor FCC guidelines when I'm doing work for my clients. So you don't, most of PR, you don't learn in a classroom. And I don't think you can bypass that. Now you can go to a company and you can hustle and, and learn the ins and outs and own a, own your own firm in a year or two. Um, you can actually bypass college, but you're going to end up with crumbs because who's going to trust you? You're going to have to lie to get business. <laughs> and you don't want to start your legacy of your firm or what you do for a living based on a lie, because when you tell one lie, you have to keep telling them. Well, we know there's a lot of people who do that in this industry. And I can already hear Dame Dash say, hey, you want your son to go call someone else daddy? Let him be a drone operator um, because, you know, Dame had never had a job. And he, he preaches that to a lot, you know, and I love what Dame says. I get it. But just because that worked for him does not mean that will work for everybody. Most people don't have that hustle. Um, when, I, when I'm watching, when I'm, when I'm in groups, and it's no diss to anyone, when I'm in groups and every time someone posts, they need something. If you're that needy, I don't want you as my publicist. I don't. You, I'm paying you a full retainer and you have to call somebody every time you get ready to pitch for a, uh, a media list and you have to do it publicly. You don't even have $19 a month to go to IMDB, pay for a membership so that you can have the publicist and producer information for any show that's on television or in, in, in the movie theaters. You don't know how to do that. That means you don't know what you're doing. And it, it's frustrating. Do I ask for media contacts? Yes, I do. I will ask to be introduced to someone occasionally, but you're not going to see me in Facebook groups, on Twitter, in Clubhouse. Hey, can you give me a connect to the view? What? Well, you know, I, I'm not doing that. Or I just saw a publicist. A, 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 nah, I'm not even gonna say that because everybody know who it is. So, but anyway, <laughs> hey, I already know. I already know it was a czar. So <laughs> I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna say. But and, but that goes to show because you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. So for us, 
Um, you know, we're coming off of the elections here in Atlanta, and we always have these conversations, and I see a lot of publicists talk about Riri, uh, Rihanna, and I believe in having the right people to tell your stories. Um, you know, Taylor Swift, she has a great PR team. She has people working for her, and she you draw empathy because they understand her plight. When you hire a publicist, get someone who's going to understand your plight and who can communicate that so that you're not always demonized when things come up in the media. And also... Get a publicist who knows that Tom Joyner's not on the air anymore. <laughs> I, you know, you I'm I'm hiring you. My audience is primarily black, and I don't even know a year later that Tom Joyner is not on the radio anymore. That's a problem. That's a big problem because Rick Party and Sasha took over a lot of his markets. That's yes, that's my, yes, yes. That, yeah, so yeah. it's 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 one of those things where we have to understand who we're hiring. We have to understand what what we're doing. Um, do I knock people who want to start businesses right out of college? No. Why not go get a job and do the work that you're do some side work, get a mentor. One of the benefits that I've had is that I've had some excellent mentors throughout my life, whether it be in public relations, whether it's in project management, whether it's in business development. Several of my mentors send me projects or hire me for their own projects a few times a year. Well, can you talk about the process of how you got those mentors? Because, you know, one thing I've had mentors and sometimes mentors will have time for you. And sometimes you'll look at certain mentors and you'll be like, you know what? I do not want to be like this in 20 years. I don't want to be broke like this mentor still getting ripped out of jobs and, you know, not getting paid. Mm -hmm. So how do you navigate that mentor relationship? Because it's really somebody letting you into their circle saying, I value what you do. And I think that I can show you how to do it, you know, faster. And you might not make the mistakes I made. Well, again, it goes back to work. Every mentor I have, I've had an actual working relationship with them, whether I was working for a bank and that supervisor took me under her arm, or I went to work for a small business and the small business owner saw something in me um, where he was like, you know what? Mm, I like you. You know, we, we're, we're going to pour into you because you do what you're supposed to do. It goes to work, but it also goes from, it goes to being observant enough to understand what, people are in a position to even offer. Sometimes mentorships comes in the come come in the in the in the in the form of going on Twitter as a writer following Terry McMillan. She drops some dimes on Twitter. And of course um, on I don't know when this is gonna post, but Eric Jerome Dickey just passed. He was one of those people who, if an author asked a question, he would answer and he would encourage. So although I don't have a close, I didn't have a close relationship with Eric, um, there, there have been exchanges over the years where he encouraged me. Or one of the things that he told me to do um, was he said, I posted once that I want to learn a four. I think I'm going to learn Spanish. He said, he, he responded and he said, learning a foreign language will make you a better writer because it exposes you to more cultures. Uh, yeah. You know, so 
it, it's those types of things. Was Eric someone that I was able to call every day or sit up under, sit at his feet? No, he wasn't. Um, I have a relationship with Rashonda Tate Billisley, who's given me a lot of um, advice as a writer, but she don't sit and talk to me every day. I haven't had a phone conversation with Rashonda in at least four years, but I value what information she did give me. Um, Joylyn Jossel, she's a writer. Those are people that I'm, I'm speaking of. But when I wrote my first novel and I reached out to Joy, she gave me some really good information. And the same thing, thing applies to PR. Although um, I have more experience than some people, I look to you for advice. I follow and I pay attention to you. Because I believe anyone can mentor if they have something to offer. I learn stuff from my VAs every day. I learn stuff from um, some of the young women who want to be mentored. You can be, you can even be a mentor who is being menteed if you think about it. But your approach has to be observant enough. And if you're a PR pro and you're not observant, you're in the wrong field. You have to be able to take the good with the bad. There are processes that I have at my company that one of the girls who I hired a few years ago, she said, oh my gosh, I didn't know that you could do, that you did all of this. I said, but that's where the value chain, but she was able to look at it and go, you know what? I like this part of it and I can do this part, but I'm going to leave that because I just, I, I, I don't want to do that. So being observant enough to know what you can handle, being observant enough to, to, to not be in such awe by people, to be able to look and go, you know what? Makesha's really not that good at that. Mm, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm going to find somebody else who can do this. I'm not going to listen to Makesha with media relations. I'm going to Raru. You have to be observant enough to know those things. You have to be, and I'm not saying that I can't do media relations. I'm, I'm um, confident, enough, confident enough in my own skills and abilities and knowing who I am to know that that's an area that somebody is better than me in. And being able to find a mentor is being able to watch and observe. Um, who is it? Um, Sherlock Holmes. One of his stories is you see, but you do not observe. Y yes. You know, so if you're not paying attention in a way to understand that I can't, I can't be with you to hold your hand all day. You don't need to be mentored. You need to learn some social graces. You you got to get that part right first. <laughs> well, and you you said a couple things, and I you've mentioned Raru, our mm -hmm. our mutual friend, and how we met. We I love Raru. Raru, you're yet to come on the show, so I'm gonna call <laughs> you out, you know, publicly. Um, but you know, I'm I'm gonna get Raru. Um, she she's actually done. I think another show. Um, I, I had, uh, mm -hmm. but I want her to come here and give the game when she's ready. But you also mentioned how, you know, the, your mentor told you um, the foreign languages can help you expose. And, you know, I love to do the international travel mm -hmm. and I can't wait for us to do that together too. Yeah. And we're going to bring your husband. We're going to get him on that plane. But I want to know. Good luck with that. <laughs> I, I want to know, like, you know, with that, what language did you uh, choose? Como I'm learning Spanish. Yeah, okay. I've been, I've been, I've been slowly learning language. Um, there are other things that are prioritized. So I've been learning um, Spanish. I'm not that great. I can understand it better than I can speak it. Um, but 
when he said that, it also prompted me to start learning about the Spanish culture. I started learning about indigenous culture, period, because we have the Maori, I'm mispronouncing it. We have uh, Fiji. We have all of these other places where it's just, we, we forget about indigenous people. So I started learning about those things and I'm starting to see where it just, for us being, Afri I'm, I was born in America, I'm African-American, or I would say Black, because I, neither of my parents are directly from Af Africa, but I'm considered African-American, but I'm so disconnected from my culture because of religion. Um, but if you go over to New Zealand, the Maori people and the, the people from the Polynesian people and Fijians, they were able to maintain their culture, um, even in enslaved or um, co colonized environments. We lost that here. So to be able to look at those cultures and understand why they do the, those things and understanding even now, years later, of course, being a better writer, I thought uh, Mike Tyson was crazy for getting that face tattoo, but come to find out it's based on the Maori culture. He got it because their warriors did that. And even the thing where I, it, I hadn't totally researched it, but I can kind of believe where he said, I'll eat your children. It stems back from that because based on some of the historical, historical data, Maori people would supposedly eat the, the people they conquered, like the leaders, they would do ceremonial eating. They didn't just go and cook folks. But based on history, those are things that were done or allegedly done. So now it places me in a position to understand someone like Mike Tyson, who I totally thought had lost his mind because I'm studying other cultures. And it's helped me, it's helping me to create more dynamic um, more dynamic characters, but it also helped my storytelling when wow. I'm pitching for my clients. Well, and, and I'm gonna, you know, give a little game, but I'm not gonna say names just because you guys see in this industry, you don't have to name drop, but mm -hmm. you, ha you have a client who has uh, starred in a Mike Tyson movie. Yes. And um, that same client, I I'm telling you right now, there's a uh, two, the director, and I had the actor on for coming to Africa and mm -hmm. they want your client in their next movie coming to Africa too. So wow. if you're able to timestamp this and send that over, they said they'll sell they'll, definitely <laughs> they'll sell a car to, to make that happen. Why? Because they know, like you said, knowing mm -hmm. they know mm -hmm. that your client was given a chieftaincy in Ghana. Mm -hmm. they, they they have not seen him yet do African film. You know, I'm the biggest collector of African movies in this country. So you're going to make me pick up my phone and just go on ahead and call, huh? <laughs> I'm going to make you I'm going to make you do that. And I'm going to put it all this out because, you know, when you have a client like that and he gets a chieftaincy and me myself have a red cap chief, I want to see that influence. I'm doing my part behind the scenes to, mm -hmm. you know, push for that bridge, but that would be so explosive and people would not expect it. And I know your client makes a lot of films in Asia. Let's bring that over to Africa. So then- it makes a lot over there. <laughs> yeah, and, and Africa is open and they're welcoming and it, it would actually, maybe, maybe, cause I don't know for sure. And he likes it there. That's another thing too. He likes it there. So um, yeah, I, I'm gonna have to go on ahead and put a call in to him and let him know, but send me that card so I can say, hey, 
I'm sending you the I'm sending you the movie, uh, the okay. media the media um edition, of course, because okay. it's on Amazon. But you don't want someone to be in your movie and say, "Hey, buy my movie so you can be in my next <laughs> one." <laughs> That's kind of tacky. Uh, so I'll send that over to you. Mm-hmm. Well, with all the success that you have had and that you're gonna have in the future, because the best is yet to come. What is a community give back that you are doing or that you want to do in the future? Well, one of the things um, I did this this year, um, I have a heart for the elderly. Um, I come from a family where my 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 grandmother she died when I was twelve years old. Um, one of my grandmothers she ha- she passed when I was really little as well. And my my grandfather he lived in another state, so we weren't as close. I had a good relationship with him, but I never had the benefit of grandparents so the elderly and seniors they're 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 a place in my heart so this year I was like you know we can't go volunteer we can't go do anything so I ended up doing um with the help of some of my friends um a lot of my writer friends we did gift bags because the elderly they're stuck in nursing homes no one can visit them or anything like that. So we did 50 gift bags for a local place where um, we gave each resident toiletries that would last them for the next couple of months. And each package also had socks and their own personal blanket. Because I didn't realize until I had a few conversations with people that a lot of the times people are placed in uh, senior living facilities and they're forgotten whether it's their children who live in another state or another country who can't always get there or people who don't have children or, you know, don't have strong family ties. So they're just stuck living out the rest of their life in a place with no contact. So that's the thing that's near and dear to me. But the biggest thing to me is women and and helping women to understand that they are solid and whole. The biggest mistake that I made over the course of my life and my career is tamping down who I am to please the people around me and thinking that I needed permission to do things because I am a woman. I was raised Kojic. I was raised in the church. So there are very strong um, gender roles. And one of the things that I really had to overcome um, over the past few years is understanding who I am and whose I am. At the very core of me, I am a Christian woman. And um, I believe my success comes from God because that's where I place, I place those things. I place my intentions in his hand um, every morning. Um, and I try to live in a way that is pleasing to God as well. But to get back to the, the, the heart thing for me is women. Um, in Proverbs 31, we all, I heard for, paid attention for the first time when I was in college, this guy, he was going on about how the woman he was marrying was a Proverbs 31 woman. And I had heard it all of my life. I'd heard all of these things, but we often fail to realize that there is also a Proverbs 31 man. Um, and, and, and he sits at the, at, at, at the gate with the L at the city gate with the elders, but, and, and his heart trusts his wife. So that means that I'm, that as women, we're whole, before we ever meet anyone. That's the first thing. The second thing is that we don't need permission to do anything. Um, in Proverbs 31, I think 16 or so, it says she considers a field and buys it. She didn't consider a field, pick up the phone and call her mama, her husband or anyone. So I want to see more confident women who can work 
cooperatively in their role as a single woman or as a wife and mother with their mates or, or, or just being okay single. So I want to see more women business owners. I want successful women business owners because there's a lot of us who own business, but we ain't doing nothing. Um, <laughs> I want to see more women who are able to coexist with a successful man is a lot of the times I, I, I run into pastor's wives or coaches wives who don't know how to be themselves because they're so enamored by their husband's careers or they're overshadowed by their husband's careers. And it's a why me attitude. Or, no, not a why me, a what about me attitude. But the only person who can answer the what about me is me. So I want to encourage and, and um, equip more women to own who they are, no matter what area of their lives they're in. That, that's my passion thing. Man, you guys have got not just the game, but the scriptures. And you know, <laughs> I like talking about the scriptures. Yes, but I Yeah, I, I, I like talking about them because, and, and in case you know, I, I've been to, actually I have my Ethiopia soccer jersey on right now. And mm -hmm. when we know that the oldest scriptures come from Ethiopia, and we know that King James um, gave us 66 books and took out some of those books. Yeah. Um, I, I went to Ethiopia to ask the priest with the Ethiopian Bible and to get the game, but that's a whole nother episode. You guys got to be ready for that one. Um, yeah, that so would be an excellent episode, especially understand one of the things that as a minister, we're always, and even as a publicist, I'm, I'm always concerned about how history is chronicled. Am I getting the truth when I get it? You know, we, we're we made to believe as African-Americans, as Black Americans, that the people who came here were dummies. They, they, they didn't know anything. But the reason why they stopped us from reading was because they didn't understand Hebrew. If you go to the old churches in Mississippi, um, some of the coastal um, Georgia and Carolina areas, there is Hebrew written. Those white people didn't know Hebrew. They didn't. Not real it was, so, so they had to force them to speak English and not to read because they knew that they were dealing with people who had intellect. They were dealing with, with, with people who already knew who God was. And they knew that they couldn't use scripture with those people that they brought over here to tell them that they were supposed to be slaves and that they were supposed to honor their masters. So with that being said, being a publicist actually helps me to ensure that the history histrionics of my clients go forth in a way that is actually uh, befitting to them. Well, and even the slave Bible, but I, I'm not going to give them too much. I'm going to let them say, wait, I got to, you got to almost demand another episode because <laughs> Keisha, I always say she could have her own podcast, own show. It's coming, folks. Just wait. DM her. Um, you know, I'm going to put the links in the description box. But for an hour, she's giving the game. I don't want to give you guys a game overload because some of that next steps to PR, you're going to have to pay for her as a, as a mentee. You got to, as a, she's your coach. So Makesha, <laughs> I thank you for giving the game. We're going to take this off air people. And you guys have been blessed. Thank you very much. Thank you.
Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit DiversifiedGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.